Hi, y'all. Welcome to the Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. My name is Sarah Shackett. I'm the Associate Craft Editor over at IndieWire, and today we are headed to outer space, uh, but to talk to one of the best satirists working in TV today. Uh, I am delighted to bring you this conversation with Armando Iannucci in time for the long-awaited return to the second season of his sci-fi series, Avenue 5, which does not miss a beat in coming back and continuing to expose the frailties of people in power um, and of Hugh Laurie's American accent. Uh, It was fantastic to hear about uh, how genre elements can both help and change the kind of comedy that Armando has been doing uh, for ages. And, and to also hear his thinking about the Avenue 5 itself and what it is to explore a ridiculous spaceship. Uh, there's a ton in this interview. I really think y'all will enjoy this one. Uh, and so here is Armando Iannucci. I wanted to, to start by uh, on, a, on a high note um, and ask you about the COVID-19 pandemic okay. um, <laughs> for, for a couple of reasons. Um, one folks who had to had to pause um, and suddenly had like sort of an enforced period of time made interesting different uses of it. And I'm curious sort of if anything shook shook loose about yes. the show and the pause. Uh, about the show. Uh, yeah. Well, we were all ready to go and then COVID happened. So we had to put it on ice. And then we tried, I think at the end of 2020, when everyone was saying, oh, that's it, it'll be over now. Mm-hmm. We tried shooting season two, but after three weeks, we had to abandon it because it it hadn't gone. Um, And I then said, look, let's actually, we're going to have to park it for some time because I don't think this thing is good. There's no point. We we stopped just before Christmas, but I thought if we pick up after Christmas, we'll be in the same position. It's not going to get any better for a while. So really, we we then got back together in the September of the second year of, of, of COVID, when bizarrely, we were still there you know yeah yeah, we were having tests we were having masks social distancing keeping the numbers down but we we got through it and I think it helped that we weren't that first attempt I kind of stopped because I thought no I'm spending most of my creative energy trying to work out how we get this person in that shot pass a note on to them suggests another way of doing it there with only three people in the room behind them I thought, well, w- w- that's not how we make comedy. Yeah. <laughs> so let's stop doing that. And I'm glad, actually, because when we did come together, even though we were still in COVID, it just felt like everyone was in a more relaxed frame of mind. And honestly, once we started rehearsing, it was like we hadn't been away. Those two years, were, it was only like the previous week. And it was a joy, really. And um, and we got through the shoot in a in a kind of very good way. You know, we had moments people did catch it, and we had to kind of lose people for two weeks or whatever. But we managed to get through it, and we had a really really good fun time doing it. In terms of it's affecting the show, I think yes, inevitably, if season one is about all the stuff going on outside the ship, you know, things rotating round them and being stranded. Um, season two is about what's going on inside, really, because I think that that shared experience of lockdown where we're stuck with people for some time and trying to fill the day, you know, that, you know, we had much more to draw from of that experience in season two, because that's precisely what they're all going through in, in on the ship. 
So it became a much more real. And it was about the reality of it in a strange way. I know the storylines involve cannibalism and all sorts well, of things. But yes, and, you know, you, you, you have Karen literally stranded in, in her room. She, she has a yeah. lockdown experience. Yeah. Um, it struck me when watching it is that like the, the, the deterioration that not just our main characters, but sort of the wider ship goes through this season yes. is very akin to like the slow yeah. nervous breakdown we are all still having. Yes. It, it, I wanted to feel more claustrophobic. In fact, you know, you shouldn't overtly notice it but when we we came back for season two actually a lot of the corridors were a little bit narrower and, and there was more mess you know that idea of just people had stopped clearing things up in season one people are walking about in their holiday clothes as if they're on their way to do something in yeah. season two the note i gave was imagine you're stuck at an airport and there's no sign of the flight people are just sitting kind of like playing cards or chatting but, you know, it's not people running around excited because they're on holiday. It's people kind of waiting. Yeah, like in waiting rooms, I think, you know, yeah. we go to the spa like once. Otherwise, yeah. it's just yeah. common spaces. Yes, you're not going to go to the spa for eight years. So so that, that was it. And then also story-wise, I wanted to look at, you know, the psychological uh, progression with the characters rather than events happening to them. It's more about no. What do they? How do they respond to this general situation, and where does that take us? I love that note about it. It's the ship becoming an airport, and kind of the 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 subtle shift that's happening. But like it has this since season one, this sort of like wonderfully pleasant and oppressive aesthetic to it. And I, I'm curious for like yeah. your conversations about conceiving the ship because we see yeah. more of it this season. Yes, we, you, you do. And yet, strangely, we didn't have the enormous set that we had in season one, the big, huge, you know, it was all about smaller spaces, but more variety. Mm. So we used our space uh, to create more, but smaller, uh, more intimate uh, settings, apart from the enormous Judd statue, people improvising with what they have, you know. And just going back to the deterioration, I remember... You know, in season one, after we'd done a set, a, a take, and there'd be 50 background artists, you know, people would come on and clean up the carpets and so on before we did the next scene and so on. But then this time I remember saying to them, no, stop. Just leave that mess. Leave all the footprints. Leave the, you know, I just wanted the, the location to look like it was being well and truly lived in. And you're right, it's all about that improvising. You know, they, I, I gave the note that people needed to, make the rooms their own now they're no longer hotel rooms that you have to leave the way you found them mm. you know if you want to paint them paint them you know if you want to put things up on the wall put things up on the wall you know if you want to put things outside then then do that so it, it's about that really amazing i'm curious because like the uh, spaceships are wonderfully elastic things and you can be like yes there's a laundry duct underneath for yeah. sure it's been there the entire time uh but do you I'm curious how you how you think about the continuity of the ship and how you sort of track that and what you need for particular well, episodes. Simon Bowles are incredible um, art head of production and uh, art designer and had a, had a model of the ship and had a grid, you know, a plan, a floor plan. Not that we'd ever going to build it all, but how he just where he imagined spatially where things are and therefore where certain rooms were in relation to other rooms and so on. Um, and that was all very helpful because it, you could then, looking at it, you can then 
try and then envision what's done in that bit there and what's the, what's a bit we've never used before well mm-hmm. let's try and imagine what is there so that helped and there's a later episode where the ship it, there's a divide so we, we then so people have to reinvent again mm-hmm. the, the the more limited space that they have and the more limited resources they have so it's it's about it's about that but also just from a practical point of view i'm just conscious of the fact that you know, there's so much fight for studio space these days. I actually want to think of a way of carrying on shooting the show where I'm not reliant on there being a massive soundstage available that we can actually, we, we, we can recreate it. We can, we can take it wherever we want, really, because the spaces have become much more intimate. They're the sort of spaces that we could find in hotels or on cruise ships or yeah. ports or whatever and, and, and do it that way. Amazing. Um, you also sort of get more more mileage out of the space in um, the streaming show version of Avenue Five, ah, yes. uh, which yeah. uh, looks fabulous. And I'm curious about the the impetus to sort of uh, shoot it like Star Trek. Yes, well, we changed the you know the lighting, we changed the costumes and everything. We changed we we gave the dressing on the set a different look, and uh, the way the sound was recorded. A different look and uh, oh interesting how was how yeah. was the sound different well just the kind of terms of the uh, you know it's a bit more i don't know the technical term but it's limited so that the the top and bottom is taken out and it's all oh, cool so that, it, it, it's more pumpy and the music behind it will pump out when there's no dialogue and then recede when there is dialogue so there's it's slightly more punchy um and just slightly different lenses a bit more flair and grade in them and and just give it that and they the aspect ratio was slightly different. different yeah. yeah, it's just that we wanted that idea that you know a big budget had been thrown at it, even though the dialogue could have done with a bit of a rewrite. We've got this star, we've got this amazing location, we've got this soaring music, we've got this top director. You could at least have spent a bit more time getting the dialogue a bit better. <laughs> if it's delivered slowly and like punchy, yeah. as you say, yeah. then yeah, yes, that's right. Amazing. You know, you've worked on um shows that are are kind of about not just like the failure but like the illusion of leadership um for for a while and i'm curious if there's anything different about doing it in a sci-fi setting besides like you know having buckets of eels um is there anything about about being a little bit more in the future that lets you it's really more the situation of people being confined together Mm. having to start again it's like if you had to start your society again what would be your priorities really who would you put in charge so it's you know be given the opportunity to have a fresh start but also you know for anyone who ends up leading this group of people you you know they're involved in the situation you know it's not like a a, a military leader who could start a war but they're not going to be involved in the war you know whoever is in charge the consequences of their decisions will come back to affect them as well as everyone else because it's about survival of everyone, really. It's not survival of two of them or three of them. It's about how do we get this whole thing back into rescued and back to back home. Yeah, that is the thing that I think you could have a a a problem of sympathy, but but the fact that Ryan wants to get everybody home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's important. I think that's something we were very uh, keen to do in season two is actually explore the you know the the reality of, of these people and and and, and em- the empathy that you have with them in that fundamentally they're trying to work something out yeah it's uh, a little bit beyond them but they're trying 
yeah, they're trying. And there is an undercurrent of this could all go horribly wrong and we may have an uprising on our hands. But fundamentally, uh, it's now about, okay, what are you good at? Good, that will be handy for this. What are you good at? Okay, good, that will be handy for this. You know, it's, it's, it's being stuck with people you wouldn't otherwise be friends with, but knowing that you have to survive with them. The uh, bit in um, the, the, the premiere, the return back, uh, uh, yeah. branding, uh, branding everyone below as pioneers. Uh, right. Yes. Just uh, always man, stick with the positive. That, that sort of corporate euphemism, it feels like yeah. the show finds continually new ways to make use of that. I, I was actually location scouting some places in London yesterday, and it was all disused offices of big companies, and still up in the wall was the phrase, a complaint is a golden opportunity. You know, it's, it's this relentless positivism. Positivity, isn't it? You're not yeah. allowed to be negative at all. No, and it gets to, I mean, it, that, that feeds very much um, into, into Matt um, and, yeah. you know, uh, him, him scream shouting uh, mindfulness practices. Uh, <laughs> As, as the ship flies into the sun, which brings me to, I, I wanted to ask, you know, there's not, um, you don't have to have space fights with orcs or anything, but there is, there is some VFX on this show. And I'm curious, like how, what your process is um, with, with that side of realizing the show from well, sort of script to. It's about, um, you know, get, uh, you know, my experience of never having done a, an, an effects-heavy show until doing yeah. five. My experience I learned on season one was actually give everyone advance notice <laughs> and have it kind of not locked, locked, but soft locked, so that people have got time to do it justice. Really, and it's also being careful where you use them. So we're not using them everywhere. Uh, we're using them for particularly key moments where you have to see that happen. Yeah. For the, for the moment to work. Um, so it's about using them. I hesitate to say sparingly because uh, Barney, our VFX supervisor, would say, yeah, it wasn't very sparing. It was, every scene had about 30 effects in it because just the bloody windows, you know, the windows mm -hmm. out of space. You've got to see space out there. And, yeah. you know, I think. You know, uh, and everything's on Billy's pad has to be, I imagine. Exactly. So actually, all the stuff that, you know, we knew we were doing these holog hologram things that, had to look slightly crazy. So it's about just trying to work out if, it, if it's a concept or a look that will get in the way of the comedy, then we shouldn't spend time and money doing it. If it's a concept and a look that we think will enhance the comedy, then we should give it our best shot. Um, is, is the, you know, the, my, the episode I did, which is the finale, has an enormous, because it's it, 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 it's the well anyway you'll see uh, so it was just about being mindful of where that point came and is that the funniest thing to happen at that point okay well let's make that if, if it needs a bit more work on the idea you know before I hand it over to the team to visualize it let's make sure we're giving them something really good to as an idea to play with I feel like one thing that I I'm continually amazed by is like you, you talk about giving folks enough time TV schedules are insane. And so yeah. I'm curious how much time is enough time? I mean, well, it's never enough, but, um, you know, uh, and so I've kind of learned over the years to just work out what are the things that need mm -hmm. a lot of time and therefore 
you know, can I make decisions about them sooner than I would other things? So dialogue is always changing up to the last minute because that's an easy, you know, easy thing to do. But it's special effects, numbers of people we see is something we need to have planned, especially with COVID because everyone had to be tested and had quarantined and, and all sorts of things, you know. So that was, uh, but fundamentally, I just get a feel for it. It's that thing of knowing what are the decisions that have to be made now? And if they don't have to be made now, I'd rather not make the decision because I just want to wait and see if I'm surprised by another idea yeah. before I make the decision about what the idea is finally going to be. It's about that. That makes a ton of sense. I'm, I'm curious, does it not necessarily limit, but change how you direct a little bit? Do you have to shoot a little less coverage and be a little bit more intentional? No, we, all, I mean, we always have someone from the effects team senior member of the team on set and they're advising us say okay well if you want to do this then make sure you just get a shot of that or no that's good for us don't worry about that so knowing what we don't have to worry about and what we ought to get uh, the, the idea as much as possible is not to hamper us not to restrict what we can do and 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 if we find out something that we're planning is going to be very restrictive then what we'll suggest is how we can change the effect rather than the action you know, because ultimately it's about the performance, it's about the dialogue, it's about the situation in the room and make sure there's nothing extraneous to it that is kind of holding it back. I'm also curious, just like on 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 any show that has a bunch of very talented directors in the mix, kind of what do you do besides um, writing excellent scripts to sort of get them in in the mode sort of thinking in the right way well, i always like them to join us as soon as they can and come to mm. some of the rehearsals and the table reads and the um the workshopping we do i like to walk about with them when they're going walk about the set and mm -hmm. so on a lot of them i've known for a long time you know will stefan smith who directed episodes one and two he was my assistant when i was doing the thick of it you know there's um david schneider who directed episode three is my old performing partner from way back but but also bringing on new directors who I haven't worked with before but who I think will get it and you know and, and I like to allow, allow them free reign you know Annie who did episodes four and five had done other comedies and other films comedy films and I liked her style and I liked her way with big numbers and so it's finding people who we think are going to be simpatico and 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 know that there's a kind of look and tone to it so we're yeah. not asking to come up with a whole new kind of palette as it were but give them free reign to 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 play about with it and you know very often they'll come up with ideas that i hadn't thought of and thought but that's yeah that's good that's great let's go with that let's put that in you know and it's 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 worked out really well actually and the key thing i suppose is do they get on handling a big cast and right and and the comedy you know it's about knowing that they have a kind of sharp sense of humor and, and know and that that's really what we're going to be filming. Right. And the timing of it, for sure. The timing of it. It's not about the beautiful shot. It's about, is that funny? If you can get it funny and in a beautiful shot, great. Yeah. I mean, and there's ample opportunity with the way the sets are designed um, yeah. to create great compositions. Um, and we have the continuity of our, our DOPs and our camera mm -hmm. team, lighting team um, because they you know they they've set the tone from the start and so it's just easier for the director to it makes it easier for the director to to join them yeah that's awesome um and and yeah it makes a ton of sense 
I've I've read uh, in in other places, and I I would be curious to hear hear you talk about it um, in the context of season two, sort of valuing the constraints of hard sci-fi as opposed to yeah. um, well, something you, know, you can't have an alien materialize right. in front of you. It's about that. It's about you know following the logic. We sort of did it in season one. The whole business of human waste circling the ship was. We went around the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena. We were talking to the scientists there saying, so what about, you know, long distance, you know, journeys to Mars? How do we insulate people from cosmic rays and, and all that radioactive? And they said, well, human waste. Human waste is a very good insulator for that. So they will be, we will be using compacted human waste <laughs> to encircle the ship. And uh, I thought, no, there's an episode. And... Um, <laughs> And when the coffin came out and started orbiting, mm -hmm. we were very pleased that the chief science advisor on Star Trek got in touch and said, yes, I saw that. I did the math. Yes, it works. It works. Yes, that, that would be what would happen. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious if there's anything, like it, it feels like, you know, learning the science and being like, aha, that's an episode yeah. um, is, is incredibly valuable. And I'm curious if there's anything in season two that sort of arose out of research or just sort of thinking through like the dwindling resources that would naturally happen in this situation uh yes i mean the eels uh you know i i we i read up on um eels are very mysterious creatures but also the idea of being able to manufacture food out of eel protein and 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 that sort of thing that that kind of uh because i just thought how is the food made on a ship like that you know so it'd be nice to get to the bottom of that. And, and also, you know, seeing what really goes up, what Total Potus really is. And it being the kind of the, all the big tech companies running as a sort of government, which is not a million miles from what our current leaders of the tech companies want to do. No, indeed. <laughs> no, no. So, you know, but I also find actually projecting from what there actually is, is usually the best way of coming up with an idea. You know, just seeing what is... Uh, how is something like like the human waste thing knowing about it i think well that's great because it's true and yet it's hilarious so let's go with that yeah no it's it's amazing how often life just is, life um, just is yeah. i also avenue five still feels incredibly prescient in sort of how you know, it's blown up, but it's like okay 40 years into the future the worst yeah. impulses that we have will have progressed this far and I'm curious if anything in, you know, the intervening time between 2020 and 2022 has not necessarily shifted your thinking, but like uh, added into that process. Well, I suppose the whole group think, you know, the the explosion of conspiracy theory, the, the fact that actually you can say anything now. And if you just say it often enough, people will start to believe it. There's no checking the facts anymore. Uh, right. There's, there's just sort of the comment section on the, the Instagram yeah. feed. Yeah, and, and and any comment from anyone is as equally valid and as important as any comment from someone else. You know, you get even now now in our national newspapers here in the UK, we get you know stories where like there was an explosive reaction to such and such a drama on BBC One last night. People complaining they couldn't hear the dialogue, and then it will quote three people who tweeted, "I can't hear the dialogue," and you think that's not an explosive reaction. That's you as a journalist just going on Twitter. And seeing that three people said, I can't hear, you know, it's, it's, and that somehow that's a story. Yeah. 
and 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 the fact that this is all spilling out means that you start you know and if that's in a respectable newspaper i'm going well what else am i reading in this respectable newspaper that's based on nothing very much you know so you start questioning everything and it's a very disorientating and worrying place to be you capture that beautifully by putting iris in that situation specifically <laughs> for season two did that come uh I, I, you know, I imagine that came long before. Um, yes, but... yes. No, we were all set to record. In fact, yeah. we recorded some of the Iris sections in our first goal at season two before we shut down. Uh, the idea of her just being stuck on a show where it's the least Iris-friendly type of format. Yeah. But her having to be the public face of the appeal for her rescue. The, the costuming contrast in in how she is versus the host yeah. versus Zara is is just exquisitely funny. I'm, I'm curious, was there any sort of trial and error? Did you guys just kind of like find things and, and uh, went with the weirdest wigs you could possibly find? Well, we did try a few things out, actually. We tried right. to push it, but not push it so much that it became a cartoon persona. And talking to Lucy Punch, who plays um, Dawn, we like the idea of her as being someone who is a little bit older than the role that she's playing. You know, yeah. she really have moved on in her career, but she's still doing this. And when they're off air, she's probably coughing and smoking. And we like that idea of someone who's like under pressure to still be doing this. Right. And to have that energy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll see that as a warning. Truly. <laughs> yes. I, I wanted to, to sort of circle back to sort of, your willingness to be open to new ideas, better ideas, yeah. collaboration. I'm curious kind of like what that, what that looks like on set. What is the process of, or, or, you know, it doesn't have to be on set. It could be like an, an well, editor proposes something in post or something. No, we have a kind of workshop period with the cast and the writers. So we'll read the script, but we'll put the script to one side and we'll work through the ideas just to see what else comes up or we'll, yeah. take, we'll take a scene and, talk about it a bit and think what else could there be happening in this and who have we forgotten about and how can we bring them in what's a funny way of bringing them in if all of that and similarly with any of the guest performers you know encouraging them to come with some thoughts in advance about how they see them and, and so on yeah. uh, you break that up because i mean it's 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 a big old cast so to do that yeah. in sort of a table read yes. setting so we might do a day of we're just looking at the whole judd iris right. Dawn, you know zara set up or another day we might do the whole rav ryan billy setup you know um so so we again because of covid we had to be mindful of how many people were in the room for the day so that was one way of doing it and 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 because we'd broken up within the stories we'd broken up people into smaller units right We're all engaging with each other but but spending more time you know judd with mads now you know playing about that it did mean we were able to rehearse it in little discrete blocks with those people you notice it but also because the storylines all weave together it feels like we're getting everybody yes yes and you do as as the season progresses you do get you know they all gang are back together again before before we're out amazing is that something i'm i'm so curious if that's something that like you have to very consciously track okay episode three is like very judd iris mads heavy um so we need I to think so of- i think i decided that rather than having everyone has their own storyline in every episode that each episode will have a give more prominence to two or three people which mm-hmm. might be one or two people 
are a little bit quieter in that episode. But as long as they get their chance to be a bit more at the forefront right. um, in, in their episode. I mean, episode seven and eight actually is it's Spike who, who comes much more to the foreground. He carries episode eight is, is uh, a, a great kind of Spike episode. Amazing. The other thing I, I, I wanted to sort of ask you about is space is space is wonderful in that it, it there's just a billion ways that it can kill you um it will kill you yeah eventually yeah, it will kill you <laughs> um and it feels like there's this impulse to to sort of push things further yeah and I, i'm so curious how you balance that with like doing something that is more constrained and more claustrophobic yeah i think it's just more you know, it would be nice. To, it's just ways of introducing new characters. I mean, we've, we're blessed with the fact that, you know, there's 6,000 people on board. So a new character could just emerge who we just haven't sure. seen. And then go, go go back into the background after their two or three episodes. Uh, so, you know, we, we know we know that. But I just thought it might be nice to see them interact with a whole new group of people to see what that does to them, really. Yeah. And I'm curious, you know, you have this uh, workshop period where you sort of the scripts get get fleshed out and get life breathed into them by by the performers. Um, and, you know, obviously everyone is very present on set, but I'm curious about post for you. And is that sort of on rails because you've done the work ahead of time or is there like more writing that happens in the editing? No, uh, a little bit happens in the edit, but not much. It's more just if we've had to cut stuff down. Right. I tried to keep the scripts this time round a little bit nearer to an ideal. I think season one, you're trying things out. You don't know what's going to work well. So you shoot more than you could possibly ever need. So my first assemblies were usually about 50 minutes long. This one, I, I kind of wanted to come in with assemblies that were about 37 minutes long. And it made the... Um, it made the edits m much, m they went much smoother, actually, uh, just because we'd done all the hard work in advance, really. Um, and, and we'd had worked out the story and we had the script pretty tight when we went in. Um, but there's always that element of the new stuff that we put in. So the only time when we add in post is, I suppose, when I've cut several scenes out, but there is a key moment of information that, It'd be great to get in. Is there some? Is there a graphic we use and we hear a voiceover to it? When we're doing the fine tuning of the TV graphics and the comments and so on, mm -hmm. that's where we can have fun adding more comments. And not that you'll ever see them live, but if you pause and go back, you'll be able to right. read a hundred different comments. You know, we we didn't have time to do that in advance because we were busy doing the actual show. But there's time afterwards to do that. So it's it's moments like that being creative, and I love working with Adam Ilan, who does the music, we have a great time working on that. He likes to see the scripts early. He'll come down, he'll watch some of the early assemblies just to get an, a feel for it. Because um, sometimes, you know, I'm always amazed that music is the last thing that goes on because it's such an integral part of the, of the thing. So sometimes I'll ask Adam, uh, Adam to come up with a piece of music and I'll then cut the scene to the music rather than the music be composed for the for the final cut scene you know and then when it's all down to it's when it's all locked there might be some fine tuning to do but so I, I i love that kind of creative approach with all the departments really amazing yeah there's something about like being on a spaceship that demands a score too in yes. a way that like yeah. 
you know, there there are certain, especially comedies, where the score can just sort of be like a nice bridge uh, yeah. between scenes. Um, but here, it's actually doing something, like yeah. Yeah. doing a, uh, having having a more storytelling role. Has that like been kind of a a constant for you was that a, a a discovery has it changed at all in season two I'm i mean i've always been very i've always thought the music you have to treat it with respect and and, and it has to have a purpose mm -hmm. there's no purpose then don't put it in you know and the purpose isn't isn't just to underscore something that's happening it's to suggest something else you're seeing one thing but the music is also giving another bit of information whether mm -hmm you know, this is actually going to be tenser than you think, or this is going to end badly, or we're not telling you what's going to happen next, but we're just telling you that we're not telling you. Things like that, I think the music's always there for. If it's in a comedy, the music, I think, doesn't have to be funny. It just has to root the comedy in a, a reality, root it in the drama of what's going on, you know. But I love, I, I love the, the dialogue I have with composers on... on on scores. No, it's wonderful. And and also just like another tool, as as you say, not mm. only to direct audience yeah. attention, but to misdirect. Yeah, you know, and the way that the cutting of a scene contributes to the rhythm and the comedy, you know, so should the music, so should the lighting, so should the everything about it, really. In terms of script, I always like to keep it long and loose and whatever, but actually having a bit more discipline in the script in advance made a huge difference, given that we were fighting against the, the COVID way of shooting uh, i i sort of thought you know our time we're not going to have as much time as normally if we if we were just playing it doing it without any covid restrictions I, i'm going to use that you know from now on just being a little bit more it's my own laziness about not making decisions until the last minute i think i should make some decisions a little bit more in advance it might just help everyone <laughs> yeah. yeah although you know leaving yourself uh open to things also seems oh like absolutely there should always be room there should always be room for flexibility and surprise actually surprise is always good is there anything that surprised you in the early bit of season two how easily it all came together i mean i thought it'd be a bit of a nightmare negotiating the whole but it because we were all just pleased to be back and pleased to be working with each other and we had the scripts and there was just an atmosphere of let's enjoy ourselves really you know safely but um let's be mindful we're making a comedy really and let's keep the atmosphere positive and upbeat 